Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, we are here because for the first time since the War of 1812, our nation's capital came under violent assault. For the first time in history, the attack was incited by a sitting President of the United States to disrupt the peaceful transfer of presidential power. By engaging in insurrection against the Constitution, President Trump disqualified himself from public office. The court is not pleased. Oh no, Jason Murray, attorney representing the voters of Colorado, the court is completely unpleased, dare I say, displeased. Now, there has to be some process for determining those questions. And then the question becomes, does anything in the 14th Amendment say that only Congress can create that process? And, and Section 5 very clearly is not an exclusive provision. It says Congress shall have power. But maybe and, put m- most boldly, I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. That's Elena Kagan. And it is the question before us. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, Boo Bear? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Go on. Argue in favor of the state of Colorado. Argue in favor of the idea that Colorado should be able to just unilaterally decide that someone is guilty of insurrection without a trial and then keep them off a presidential ballot, therefore working to decide for those of us in Indiana or in Missouri or in Georgia or in Michigan, deciding for us who our presidential choices are. 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Tell me. Tell me. Because the answer is uh, they don't get to decide. And you can't decide someone is guilty of something by declaring it. You have to have them adjudicated. Now, this upsets the Trump hater. And to them, I want to... There comes a moment where there are no more niceties to, to, to engage. That you must cut to the bone of the situation in order to, to get to a place of a shared understanding. I am not a believer in name-calling. I'm not a believer in personal attacks. I never have been. But if you think Trump is guilty of insurrection because you feel that way, may I suggest, and and just, uh, uh, this is a theory out there, and and I'm going to apply it here. Rarely do I do such a thing. Um, Suck it. What? How? There's nothing else to say. I can't think of another way to engage this conversation. Don't you get that your emotions are so completely out of whack? You actually believe your emotion should be law? Don't you know how dangerous that is? Don't you know that we built a system in the United States, a republic, not a democracy, to proactively avoid that? Don't you know that when your emotions become law, you're actually in favor of the dictatorship and you're in favor of yourself being the dictator? If something happened to your children and somebody did harm to your children, you want to destroy that person. The rule of law has a system for dealing with this. 
Now, if you go and destroy that person, you're more than welcome to. Now, you have to deal with breaking the law. It is about trying to remove oneself from their emotions so that a justice can prevail. These people want to utilize their emotions to say Trump shouldn't be on the ballot. They think their emotions are, are of, of, of value to the point that you shouldn't be able to decide who you get to vote for. That's how ugly and despicable they are. Why? There, there's nothing else for me to say. I have no other way of, of getting through to them. It's not that they're just wrong. They're not only as wrong as wrong can be, they're dangerous. Now, not as dangerous right now as, as uh, Joe Biden. I'm going to get to that story coming up in a little bit. But this is, 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 is going on. This, this trial is happening. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments. And I, I don't know. I don't know if they're done now because they they were hearing them. Could your position oh, is this, this disqualification on? is really the same as any other disqualification, age or residence or what have you? That's correct. And 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 what if uh, I were to push back on that and say, well, this t- disqualification, number one, it's in the Fourteenth Amendment, and the point of the Fourteenth Amendment was to take away certain powers from the states. Number two. Uh, Section 3 itself gives Congress a very definite role, which Mr. Mitchell says is interfered with by the ability of states to take somebody off the ballot. Um, And uh, maybe number three, it's just more complicated and more contested. And if you want more political. And why don't all of those things make a difference in our thinking about this qualification as opposed to any other? And so, Your Honor, I think the trouble with uh, categorizing the insurrection issue as as necessarily more difficult is just uh, an assumption that's coming up, I think, because of this case. Um, And again, back to the Chief Justice's point, we could have a very easy case under the 14th Amendment with an avowed insurrectionist who, you know, came in and wrote on his paperwork, I engaged in an insurrection in violation of the 14th Amendment, um, and it would be an open and shut case as to whether or not that person would meet the qualifications to be on the Colorado ballot. Um, with respect to your other questions about the 14th Amendment, my positions are based on the assumption that um, under the 14th Amendment, the states have the power to enforce uh, uh, Section 3, just like they do other presidential qualifications. And this is, of course, the conversation. That's Shannon Stevenson. She's the Colorado Solicitor General. This idea of who gets to uh, institute these powers is 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 so much a part of this. Let's Let's go to the 14th Amendment, shall we? Just... Uh, we should all be on the same page. I think we should all be uh, in, 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 in the same place here. Fourteenth Amendment, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Now, we get to number three, section three. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Colorado wants to say that they have the right to remove Donald Trump from the ballot because of engaging in insurrection or rebellion against the same. 
The fact that he has never been adjudicated guilty of insurrection is inconsequential to them. And then to the point that uh, uh, Justice Elena Kagan was making, whose authority is this? It's as she's arguing, as, as, or as Elena Kagan is stating, Justice Kagan, this is to reduce the power of the states, which we can discuss federalism and whether we want that or not. But I don't think one could discuss in any kind of rational way the idea that the state of, California, of Colorado can decide unilaterally based on something that was never adjudicated whether someone could be on the ballot based on their feelings. And by the way, not necessarily even based on their feelings, based on the feelings of those in an aligned political party. Now, I'm really going to dig in this tomorrow when I've got all of the audio and, and everything the justices said and, and, and further break this down. But this is, this is fascinating. And I think one of the most fascinating parts of this, you get to hear it. It's, you, know, you don't have cameras in, in, the, in the Supreme Court. They don't do that. But you've got the audio. It's happening live and we hear it. That's, that's incredible. That is an unbelievable thing. The country is still awesome. Awesome. Meanwhile, there is no deal on the border. I have got that story coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So there is no deal when it comes to the border. And absolutely no one is surprised. Isn't that right, Senator Sinema? This four to 5,000 that folks are talking about doesn't mean four to 5,000 people get to willy-nilly come into the country each day. It means that when those two systems get full, the detention beds and the supervision, instead of letting the system get backed up and just releasing people, we instead say, nope, we're closed, no one gets to even approach the border. It's somewhat like the Title 42 authority we had during COVID, except we actually built in penalties for people who attempt to cross multiple times. Title 42 had no such penalties. So uh, allow me, Senator Sinema, just for the sake of the, of, the, of the conversation. What do you mean nobody else can approach the border? Because in your argument, as somebody who was a co-author of this legislation, that alone would be enough for me to vote no. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything at TonyKatz.com, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. And, and, and still, if there's anybody who wants to uh, try and prove the argument that Trump shouldn't be allowed on the ballot in Colorado because the Supreme Court's hearing it, I'd love to hear your thoughts about why your feelings mean uh, that the people of Colorado shouldn't have a say in who the presidential candidate is. I, I, I cannot wait to hear your argument. I will let you have it in full. 833-GOT-TONY. For Senator Cinema, what keeps people away from the border? Those were your words. Is it offense? You know, I brought up landmines. Is it that? I did that yesterday, and people were like, how dare you? And I was like, first of all, calm down. Secondly, you can't deny that would be a way to stop the people from coming across the border like North and South Korea. And third, if you don't want that, I'm totally fine with it. What's your idea? But what we have now doesn't work. So, so maybe people shouldn't just get so worked up. They should understand what's being said to them. 
but how are you going to stop people? That, Senator Cinema, is the question, and that you provide no answer to. You bring no answer to that fundamental question. And if we are to say that the border deal would be somewhat like the Title 42 authority we had during COVID, can I ask, why did we get rid of the Title 42 authority? Why did we not just keep this going? And why can't we just use Title Eight, which was utilized, I mean, going back to some of our original border stuff, I think in the 30s, in the 1930s, why not just utilize Title Eight? So aren't you stating, Senator Sinema, that our issue is not the type of legislation, but rather the actual utilization and enforcement of the legislation, which is exactly the conversation many of us in America have been having. If you want remain in Mexico, you must actually state you remain in Mexico. It's just that easy. And why would anybody be opposed to the idea of remain in Mexico? You don't get to come into the country until you are approved. But what a statement that says you can't even approach the border. It means that when those two systems get full, the detention beds and the supervision, instead of letting the system get backed up and just releasing people, we instead say, nope, we're closed. No one gets to even approach the border. Let's do this again. That's not what happens. You're not going to be able to stop people from uh, approaching the border. You haven't engaged an answer to that question. But let's go back one more time, shall we? Four to 5,000 people get to willy-nilly come into the country each day. It means that when those two systems get full, the detention beds and the supervision, instead of letting the system get backed up and... Can I ask why we have to wait till the system gets full? How about we wait till the system approaches full? How about we wait till the system approaches half? How about we cut the system in half and that way instead of 5,000, it's only 2,500. Look at me. I'm getting towards a deal already. Look at me. It is, it is out of control. Out of control that you think that this is an argument. This is not an argument that favors your position, Senator Cinema. This is the argument that favors voting no on the legislation. And yes, they voted no, not even on the legislation. They voted no on listening to the bill and having a debate about it. You didn't even get to cloture. You didn't get close to the 60 votes. They forget that five Democrats voted against this thing. Sanders and, and, and Elizabeth Warren, because they don't believe in a border anyway. They forget the Democrats voted against this thing. Where was the solidarity? Where was the belief in a, in a strong border? None. Absolutely none. But I think the strangest statement yesterday came from Senator James Lankford. Now, three things, maybe four, maybe only two, who knows? Um, I do believe Mitch McConnell hung him out to dry. And I do believe that Mitch McConnell needs to be replaced. I believe that uh, Ted Cruz 
was absolutely accurate in this. Is it time for Mitch McConnell to go? I think it is. I think it is too. I believe many people have felt this way for a long time. And while I will miss him. I love cocaine! Cocaine Mitch. I will miss the guy who prevented Merrick Garland from being a Supreme Court justice, and we are all better off for it. This level of misplay, man, that's something. This is the legislation? Good gosh. I mean, Senator Sinema, in my view, blows it up herself. But in a speech given by James Langford yesterday, who I think is a decent dude, I think he handled this wrong. But I think when you listen to him talking about banking and regional banks and speaking to uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, I think he's been exceptional. He's never going to be the fire breather. That's okay. Not everybody has to be. And I don't need him to live and breathe MAGA. I don't need any of that crap. I simply need him to recognize that this isn't going to be something that works out and he doesn't have to put himself out on that limb and certainly, I think that Mitch McConnell, as has been reported, knew everything that was going on and then turned his back on him. I think that's unforgivable. But James Langford said this. In fact, I had a popular commentator four weeks ago that I talked to that told me flat out, before they knew any of the contents of the bill, any of the content, none, nothing was out at that point, that told me flat out, if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during this presidential year, I will do whatever I can to destroy you. Because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. By the way, they have been faithful to their promise and have done everything they can to destroy me in the past several weeks. I'm asking a question. What's their name? I want to know their name. I can't stand stuff like this. Name names. Someone actually told you, if you pass anything on border security, because if it's fixed, oh, that might hurt Trump in the election, I'll destroy you? That is such a nonsense proposition. The border needs to be taken care of now, regardless of whether Trump's in office. And I don't keep the problem around to help Trump get into office. That's nuts. That is a ridiculous concept. Name names. Who was it? For the record, it wasn't me. It was not me. Um, because when I uh, tell you I'm going to do something, it is not a threat. I'm doing it, and I'll put my name to it. Why do you think when I end like like spot conversations on, on the show, I always say I'm Tony Katz, right? I, 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 I end it because it's like I'm like signing my, my name to it. You don't have to question who said that. I'm letting you damn well know I said it. Those are my words. Boom. I want to know who said it. I want to know who's engaged in this threat. Why would anybody threaten you? What did they say? Can we can we look at whether or not we think that's a threat? What's their name? Otherwise, talk like that. That's unnecessary. It sounds silly. Name names or don't say anything. This is Tony Katz today. I'm Tony Katz.
one can prevent insurrectionists from holding federal office. But obviously, Congress has enacted statutes, uh, including one still in effect, Section 2383 of Title 18, prohibits insurrection. It's a federal criminal statute. And if you're convicted of that, you are, it says, shall be disqualified from holding any office. And so there is a federal statute on the books, but um, President Trump has not been charged with that. So what, what are we to make of that? That's Justice Brett Kavanaugh speaking to the Colorado lawyers. This was the lawyer was Jason Murray arguing on behalf of Colorado voters. He hasn't been charged with insurrection. You're saying he can't be on the Colorado ballot because he incited an insurrection. You want to square the circle? As Jonathan Turley uh, has pointed out, and really we're going to be able to break this down more tomorrow, that the the Colorado side expected, you know, maybe like a cool reception, maybe a cold reception from uh, from the justices, as he described it. This is just downright glacial. Yeah, it happens when you're arguing absolute crap. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you, but if you want to argue why Trump shouldn't be on the Colorado ballot, I'm giving you the opportunity 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Bring the argument. I will let you give it in full. I'm right here, kitten. Right here. Meanwhile, President Trump uh, making a, a statement. An insurrection caused by Nancy Pelosi. This was an insurrection, if it was an insurrection, which there were no guns, there were no anything except for the fact that they shot Ashley Babbitt. Somebody from police force shot Ashley Babbitt. So unnecessary, so sad, so horrible. But there were no guns, there were no anything. But if you take a look at my words, right after, you take a look at my speech from the Rose Garden, which was very shortly after, or you take a look at my, I'm only on truth now, but at that time we were tweeting and I was on Twitter. If you take a look at those five or six tweets, you will see very beautiful, very heartwarming, Statements, go home, the police are doing their job, etc., etc. Beautiful statements. If you see my statement made in the Rose Garden, I think you have to watch that. Because today they said the words of Trump. Now, if you take a look at the words of Democrats over the last period of time, look at Schumer's statement about the Supreme Court on the steps of the Supreme Court. He sounded like a mob boss. Take a look at uh, any of them. Take a look at any. We, we put together a tape. Of vicious, violent statements made by Democrats. Nobody brings that up. Take a look at Maxine Waters and the vicious statements that she made. I didn't do that. I said, peacefully and patriotically. The speech was called peacefully and patriotically. It's pe- peacefully and patriotically. He said I said bad statement. It was the exact opposite. So I think you should take a look at the statements that I made uh, before and after, and you'll see a whole a whole different uh, dialogue. Now, that's Trump uh, talking about what was just happening in this case, Colorado trying to keep him off the ballot. And of course, um, it goes to the Supreme Court. And this is what we've been uh, listening to. But that what he's talking about with Schumer uh, was the whole idea about the whirlwind. The whirlwind conversation is a great one. I mean, 
You want to talk about just a straight-up threat. And jobs were coming Oh, no, excuse back. me, I Mr. Was President. I'm, I'm not, I'll get back to you in a second, sir. Thank you. The threat. Now, we stand here today because behind me, inside the walls of this court, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments, as you know, for the first major abortion right cases since Justices Kavanaugh. And Justices Gorsuch came to the bench. We know what's at stake. Over the last three years, women's reproductive rights have come under attack in a way we haven't seen in modern history. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Well, that's not a threat. That's not a threat at all. Why? Who could even think of taking it that way? Or such, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Totally rational. 100%. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do this much on it. Um, but I, I, it, it, so much is breaking. I, I figure I, sh- I should share. Now, uh, 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 Producer Carl, is Jalen still on the line? Jalen, uh, I, I had said out loud, if you think that Trump should be kept off the ballot in Colorado because of, of, of feelings... Remember, he's not been charged with insurrection. He's not been adjudicated guilty of an insurrection. I want to hear your argument. Jalen, I appreciate you calling in. Give me the argument for keeping Donald Trump off the ballot in Colorado. Uh, well, my only argument is uh, that every every decision that's ever been made, ever, in any situation, has been made mostly off feelings. And even if the decision has not been made off feelings, the decision or the, the structure that's been put in to make that decision was made off of feelings. So I think that we should definitely take some feelings in a little bit of consideration. But I don't know. Well, I'm just a I'm just a stupid ass guy. I don't I don't know if that's true, right? I don't think you should say that about yourself in the slightest. <laughs> um but but here and I thank you for the call, phone call. Um uh, that's I, I don't think any part of that is true. As a matter of fact, I think we have a system that's really predicated on not being about emotions. If we were to take just the House and the Senate, for example, uh, the, the House is elected every two years. The representation is very close to the people. And that uh, is where legislation is supposed to come from that's where these ideas hey my constituents want this and comes to the fore the senate i mean for years it had this reputation and and this 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 uh 
expression as being the cooling saucer, right? That's where the passions calm down and the conversations come up. Remember, senators, as we're supposed to do it, not through the bastardization of the direct election of senators in 1913, but they're supposed to be uh, appointed by state legislatures, again, having more local control. But the reason they have a six-year term, they don't have to keep running for re-election every two years, is so they have a little more distance and they can engage in more focus. Why they're referred to as the world's most deliberative body. So they can discuss these things out without the emotion. That is the purposeful setup of our situation, of our nation. Secondly, to state that, you know, most everything happens because of feelings, and if the, even if they don't, it's still feelings. There, there's, there's nothing in there for me to work with. And, and, and that you, you, I think you w- would recognize after a, 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 an observation of your own words that you're not making an argument, that you're saying that feelings matter. I don't disagree that feelings matter. I think feelings matter when dis- when trying to figure out what flavor of ice cream to eat. I think feelings matter when you're trying to figure out whether you should buy a Porsche or an Audi. I, I feelings matter in in that or 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 for me, do you buy a Lincoln Continental or a Ford Bronco? And I'm not talking about the new ones. I'm talking old school. Although lately, I can do the new ones as well. Feelings matter in that case. Do you want a Rolex or do you want a Patek Philippe? Feelings matter. Traeger or Rectech? Feelings matter. Blondes or brunettes? Feelings matter. Whether or not Donald Trump could be on the ballot in Colorado isn't feelings. No part of it is feelings. As a matter of fact, how how could one possibly run a country on feelings? You know who runs on feelings? Dictators. Dictators run on feelings. That's who. As a matter of fact, I think history can show this. History can prove this. If the president is upset with another nation and wants to bomb them out of existence, they are reminded, those presidents, that Congress declares war. Do you know why Congress declares war? to keep the emotional president from engaging the emotional response. Because emotions, wait for it, don't matter. The problem is that there's a difference between emotions don't matter and that emotions exist and are real. Because of course they do. I don't argue, Jalen, and I appreciate the phone call very much. I don't argue that you may not think that, that or you may think that, that, that Trump is a, a giant jerk face and shouldn't be president. And you might have be very emotional about that. Now, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth there, but we can apply this to anybody. You might feel that way. In no place do I tell you not to feel that way. You are more than welcome to feel that way. I couldn't stop you. I wouldn't dream of stopping you. I don't think it's helpful. But I could not stop you. It sure as hell doesn't make policy. Your emotions, my emotions, they don't make policy. If my emotions made policy, first of all, everything would be awesome. Unbelievable. 
There would be a Bronco in every garage and two cigars in every pocket. It would be glorious if if my emotions made policy. Vegetarians would be forced to eat brisket. It would be a dream. And you know what? They would be happy. Maybe for the first time in their lives. <laughs> Could you imagine? Which is exactly what you should do. Because this emotional conversation is exactly how one should address First Amendment conversations. The First Amendment is not for speech that you love, it's for speech that you hate. And it's not for people that you love, it's for people that you despise. That's that's the measure. So when you take a look at college students, and these college students are all about the idea that you shouldn't be uh, uh, allowed to... uh, to speak on a college campus if you say something that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And you could stop uh, people from speaking on college campuses. And this conservative, that conservative, what they're saying isn't nice. And you, you poll these college students and who are grown-ups just in, in levels of awfulness because they've never once had control of their emotions. And they believe that it's okay to shout somebody down or to engage in some level of physical activity to keep someone from speaking, which is, of course, meaning violence. They don't believe in a free society. They believe in a dictatorial society. An emotional society is a dictatorial society. A free society means that you have the right not to listen. You could even protest, but shout them down, physically harass. You don't have any control of your emotions and you think your emotions should matter. I think your emotions should be put in a box. And if your emotions are going to spill out into some kind of physical uh, repression of somebody's rights, I think that you should be emotionally hip-checked into a corner and fall down. Because I support the liberty agenda that allows people to speak freely. And yes, we put certain restrictions on things. If you're going to speak and call for a physical attack on somebody, we would say no to that. We would say no to that. Liberty society being different from a freedom society, but in either case, an emotional society is a bad society. So I, I appreciate you, 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 you calling in. I do. But this idea that, you know, everything's based on feelings, no. No, it, it's based on, uh, on how does one lead the most liberty-focused life with giving up the least amount of rights and having the most opportunity to be left alone. And honestly, anything other than that is just sizzling hot garbage. I'm Tony Katz. I swear to you, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. But this is too great. This conversation about emotions. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. In Indianapolis, there's a failed newspaper called the Indy Star. And when I say failed, it's because it gets smaller and smaller year after year. They have shed columnists, shed uh, people who could actually do the job. They have kept the most ideological. And the Indy Star, when they want to do reporting, they're the people who broke the Larry Nasser story. That doctor was working with the USA gymnasts and abusing all of them. Disgusting. They broke that story. It was incredible reporting. But the vast majority of what they do is, is wokeism. It's awful. And the readership, uh, from what I know, is down, although I certainly don't have the numbers. But certainly, the paper itself is non-existent these days. 
But they wrote a story about the Indiana governor, Eric Holcomb, who joined a whole bunch of governors, 13 of them, down at the southern border. They joined Greg Abbott to talk about what's going on at the border. A sports reporter who uh, once uh, we, we were actually both invited to a, a concert and we were both in a suite. And from the story I was told from a friend, uh, he was upset that I was in the suite and I better not say anything or he was going to punch me in the face. Now, I didn't hear him say it. A friend of mine tells me that story. I leave it there. His name is Greg Doyle, the star sports reporter. He sees this tweet from the Indy Star about Governor Holcomb joining Governor Greg Abbott, the southern border, and he writes, thank goodness the Native Americans didn't surround Plymouth Rock with razor wire or lots of uh, maybe us would be in Europe. If the Native Americans had razor wire, they would have put it up to keep other people out. What are you talking about? If in the, if the, in the, in the revolution... If uh, the those fighting for the U.S. had uh, AR-15s, they would have used them. Now they would have used actual real weapons you use in a war. See this? This is emotional pablum. We're wrong to protect the border? Oh, the Native Americans would have kept us out. This isn't an argument. This is what emotionally stunted people say when they have no other argument. The border should be protected. You should be opposed to child sex trafficking, and you should be opposed to drugs pouring into the country. Of course one should have a strong border. The Native Americans and their razor wire, if they had it, they would have used it, but they didn't. I'm Tony Katz.